Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to Critical Hit, a major spoilers podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. So much going on up in space. But I think, Kevin, uh, space is not where we're going to be for that long. No, you guys are headed down to the surface of Acton for your first race in Drifters. Uh, last time on Critical Hit. Critical Hit. Nice. You guys had uh, basically finished repairs to the squeaky clean and then made your way completely uneventfully uh, to the red planet, uh, the destination of your first race. Um, You did get contacted by uh, some very nice contemplatives uh, who were interested in you protecting their son, Talos, who you've previously run into. Um, Apart from that, you do not know what lies ahead of you, but you know that it is on the surface of the planet, and you have your coordinates ready to plug in and land. All right, then I will uh, enter those coordinates and tell Grace, Grace, I believe it is time for us to land if this is a clear area and we don't anticipate any crashes. It looks like the... uh, company has cleared a landing area for us. Um, un- unfortunately, I-, I don't think I'll be able to communicate with you once you're no longer on board. Um, so I guess this is goodbye for now and good luck. Okay. The landing process has already started. Good. Um, so what's this planet like? What is uh, uh, what is this planet's name? Akaton. What is it like? Yeah. So Akaton is the um, third planet in the solar system, though it would be the fourth if Galarian still existed uh, and uh, Absalom Station wasn't there in its place. Um, It is a desolate red wasteland. Um, It is uh, red because it's very rich in iron. Um, It's notably low gravity and low atmosphere, so you might need extra oxygen to, to breathe well and um you might be able to uh feel really athletic or uh acrobatic on the surface because you effectively weigh a lot less um it's notable for having been a uh, mining planet um at some time in the distant past um before drift uh technology took off uh, it was used for a mineral uh, called Thasteron that um, was the uh, the primary ingredient in uh, pre-drift engines at the time. And uh, it's now basically a burnt-out husk. Um, all the corporations have abandoned it, and it is uh, run by cartels and gangs and uh, really mercenary corporations. Um, as little city-states that dot this uh, lawless, barren wasteland. And we're bringing the entire squeaky clean down, correct? 
We're not in a shuttlecraft or anything? No, the squeaky clean is capable of landing on a planet's surface. It has like the little thrusters and it blows up a, a bunch of dust. There is a lot of, uh, of sand and, and little metallic dust uh, all over the place. Um, and it has landing gear, so it's uh, fine for that. It does not have any shuttles, but it does have that little um, cargo bay which uh, currently holds your buggy. Excellent. I'll open up the communication system. Uh, team co-captain Hecubino. Yep. Uh, this is this is Bob. Oh, hey, Bob. Hey, we're getting ready to land. I notice that the oxygen levels are not really high on this planet. Uh, I also noticed that the um, the buggy had some breather masks in there. Uh, it might mm-hmm. be useful for people to use those on the planet. Okay, sounds good. I don't know how we're going to plug Amu to one of those, but he, whatever, he's a doctor. I'll, uh, nice. No, no, no. So uh, you guys have landed on the surface. There are little landing pads for uh, multiple vessels. You can see um, your competition uh, has also already landed and is disembarking and getting ready for um, you know unloading their vehicles and getting ready for the race. You guys are still on board the squeaky clean at the moment. Okay. Um, Hegubina will come out. He's got his makeup on. Uh, so he's got two like purple stars over his eyes. Um, and he's also wearing what uh, appears to be two long uh, metal poles uh, sticking out of the shoulder pads of his armor and is armed and, you know, armored and ready to go. So what's the deal with these poles sticking out of his armor? What are they like? Um, right now, they just look like poles. Okay. All right. Curiouser and curiouser. Um, so uh, what does everybody else do? Uh, once the ship is touched down, I'll power down the engines and put everything in standby. And then go to the bay and um, I'll help Skritik, uh unload the buggy onto the planet. Okay, well, c- goodbye then. Bye, Which Grace. Bye, Grace. Bye. Uh, so you unload the buggy. Now, you guys have had a an opportunity uh, while you were uh, in transit to adorn said buggy however you wish. Um, you do, I mean, assuming the materials on hand, which are cans of spray paint, random like super high tech computers, um, maybe some 3D printing, uh, a couple of wrenches, uh, and Squeebo. So, <laughs> using you know this stuff you have, Iron Chef style, um, you are allowed to make whatever uh, cosmetic changes you wish to the buggy, and you know that image matters. Uh, so, what does the buggy look like now? Well, it definitely has a lizard head, uh, sort of uh, not exactly a hood ornament and not exactly one of those Viking heads on the front of the ship, but somewhere in between to emblematize, if that is a word, and it is now, uh, Team Lizard Brain in a very lizardy way. Yeah, I'd probably try to push for it to, um, like, you know, I, I would say like to our team purple uh, colors, and then also we should come up with a name for it. Um, Vangi will suggest the Dust Bunny. <laughs> oh, that is good, but it kind of clashes with the lizard stuff. Yeah, I think we should uh, 
just 3D print a bunch of spikes and then like <laughs> line them up the hood and then down the back so that it looks like a sort of a dorsal spine ridge. Mm-hmm. Spray paint that green. And Hecubino uh, will suggest that we call it Squeebo Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Quentin's suggestion will be the sand skink to keep Ooh. the uh, lizard theme. Yeah, that's not bad. Skinky. Well, somebody had to go there. I'm glad it was you. <laughs> I painted some flames on the side. Nice. Cool flames, yes. Amu will be attaching his shell to the side. <laughs> All right, so let me get this straight. What's the base what's the base paint color? Purple. Probably whatever color was there. I think the before. base is purple with these Okay, it's purple, and yeah. then we have 3D printed uh, spikes uh, forming like a ridge, and at like maybe the the wheel barrels, um, and uh, those are all spray painted green, and then it's got a Liz- giant lizard head on the front, and then lizard it's got cool front. flames. Now, when you say cool flames, do you mean they're flames but they look really cool? Yeah. Or do you mean flames, they're like a they... cool color? No, like they're flames blue. that look really cool. Just sweet blazing yeah. red flames yeah. and orange. And on the rear, even though it is it is completely non-functional, there is what looks like a, a, a rocket that actually has LED lights inside. So when the vehicle is in motion, you actually look like you have a booster rocket on the back, even though it's not. It's purely decorative, but decorative it's a, it's a rocket. Push. And then where are the uh, where are the Recruitchi shells, Rob? Oh, it's it's going to be the uh, the actual like mobile lab shell attached more or less to the side of the vehicle. <laughs> like a sidecar pretty much yeah that's beautiful completely that cohesive and on theme i love it yeah. <laughs> okay oh this does so remind me a shell to look like a brain <laughs> no one's yes. stopping you i mean Sweet. amu can look like a brain in chunks gross <laughs> love it never seen brain coral yeah oh no i definitely have so uh, this does remind me, um, since we're going over things, I am going to retcon one thing I said in a previous session because I realized it didn't really make sense in context and it will come up again soon, which is the um, weapons mount. Just remove that from existence for a moment. It's going to come right back, but it's not there right now. We're on Earth, too. Uh, this is a barren stain <laughs> Earth, by the way. <laughs> yep. I, I, like, feel... I like the the very technical... Um, removal of this, like uh, exile it from the battlefield, and then when the buggy comes back, it doesn't have it anymore because it's a different instance of it. Exactly. Yeah, it got, it got hot fixed. Oh no, Rodrigo's referring to a, a blink effect in Magic. Come on now. Yeah, you guys are disembarking, and this seems to be not a, exactly a uh, settlement that you're you're entering. This is the middle of nowhere. So the terrain is a uh, blasted wasteland as uh, far as the eye can see, except for a very notable feature, which is the Adayo Rift. The Adayo Rift is um, an equatorial canyon or set of canyons that basically goes around the whole world. Imagine, you know, the the world serpent, Jormungandr, had, like, existed on this planet, and then it squeezed really hard and created a canyon. That's what Akaton has. Uh, you are near, you're on a flat plains, 
at the moment where everybody else has landed, but you are near this rift. Um, and uh, there's basically visible canyons up ahead. You're at a point of low elevation, kind of like a, um, a basin approaching the rift. So you are actually entering, like you can see the, the, the basically mountains and spires up ahead um, as uh, towering above you. And apart from the area to land your vehicles, there's clearly a, a well laid out path for your progression and where you're supposed to park your vehicle, uh, your um, excuse me, your vehicles as opposed to your spaceships. Uh, and um, there's little bleachers and a broadcasting stand and everything like that up further ahead. Well, you better start uh, rolling, Quentin. I am rolling. Does it uh, does it matter where in the buggy we are? We're gonna get to that when uh, when the f- you know actual race starts. Um, okay. But the buggy does seat all of you. Uh, you know, it's going to be relevant um, not where you're sitting really, but what role you're providing, like right. who's driving it versus who's manning a gun uh, that doesn't exist yet. But don't worry, it'll come back. Stuff like that. <laughs> Quentin's going to be mounted on the dashboard for 360-degree access. Um, now I just touched so. the Quentin bobblehead. Thank mm-hmm. you. Got a little grass Put her curve. hand on um, uh, Hecubino's shoulder and like kind of give it a little squeeze. It's the big time. It's the big time. All right. So you guys drive uh, the what? What? It, sand skink. The sand skink. Yep. Um, I imagine that's emblazoned on it somewhere. Otherwise, people won't know. Oh, yeah. Quentin brought out his airbrushing tool. It's (laughs) in a really, really cool font. Across (laughs) the rear and the hood. Because branding. I I imagine that comes standard with your model of Android. (laughs) The airbrushing tool. Yeah. The airbrush tool. It's right under the uh, rotating knives. And uh, just above the electric cattle prod. (laughs) It's fine. It's in papyrus. No. <laughs> Comic Sans. <laughs> How dare you, sir? No. It's impact. <laughs> All right. So um, as you drive up uh, to where your vehicles are supposed to park, uh, you can spy your competition. Um, and there are three other vehicles approaching. One is from, you can obviously tell, the new team Rust Dragon. Uh, it is a massive iron-plated big wheel truck. There are huge petrol barrels in the back trailer, which are covered in a blade of armor. The giant rig is covered in ladders, valves, uh, gauges and thick metal plates. It has an enormous aurochs catcher attached to the front truck tractor with iron bars scraping just inches off the ground and designed to look like a dragon with a mouthful of long teeth. You know, imagine the thing that's on front of a in front of a train. Uh, it's got a huge one of those. Uh, and inscribed on the side with an ominous lizard-like face uh, is basilisk. The next vehicle 
that pulls up is a Formian Colony Utility Vehicle, or CUV, which is a living organism with nigh infinite cilia that crawl ceaselessly over the terrain. The creature slash vehicle's exoskeleton is covered in unfathomable runic circuitry that glows a faint green, purple, blue. Um, And if you pay attention to it for long enough, you notice that they're basically when it, when it's crawling on those uh, cilia, uh, old ones die and break and are discarded and shed from the CUV's body while new ones are grown. And last but not least is one. Oh, by the way, that one uh, in those runes, it, um, says in a script you have never read in your life, but you instantly understand it just embeds itself in your mind, the colonizer. Yeah, not creepy at all. Um, and then the last one is a sleek and sharp, long-legged and nimble uh, tripod. Uh, it, it has a silver minaret atop a three-legged steel walker frame. It seems to pick its places amongst rubble and scree without fail. And the top of the, the minaret is transparent and likely shielded because um, there's like a faint energy hum around it. Uh, and it forms a bridge where you can see uh, the crew looking down on you. And uh, it has a giant brain um, emblazoned on the bottom and front uh, of the tripod and around it is inscribed in slashing bold letters, tripod of doom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Classic. A little prosaic, I feel. <laughs> it's, you know, this is the equivalent of Mars. You got to give it to them. Yep. So you all drive your vehicles up to the uh, assigned parking spaces and then you're all separated by large uh, plastic sheets um, that cut off your line of sight to your fellow competitors. Um, just a moment after that, a team of engineers adorned in the 26th, excuse me, 27th season of Drifters uh, attire starts immediately overhauling uh, the sand skink. They wheel out an enormous jack, drills, oversized wrenches, lasers, just everything you can think of. Um, There's a crew chief nearby that's uh, yelling orders into uh, his headset uh, while operating a huge portable uh, heads-up display that shows the vehicle's schematics and all the changes that all the engineers are making to it in real time, uh, which is uh, changing wildly, like really, really quickly. And in a flash, uh, like just when you're about to ask what they're doing to your uh, vehicle, uh, they're finished. And the buggy looks the same, uh, except for the mounting of the weapons box, on the frame and the addition of some custom computer terminals in the front bucket seats and a uh, bunch of really random, strange, seemingly completely unnecessary uh, minor 
alterations, like the style of your hubcaps and the number of struts connecting wheels to the axle. Anyway, it looks totally fine. Oh, good. Bangi just like runs her hands over the mounted weapons and like kind of like knocks on it. It sounds pretty solid. Uh, it seems like this thing is dense and probably packed to the brim full of deadliness. She nods I, approvingly. I really quickly uh, take a can of spray paint and spray paint angry eyes onto it. nice that's great all right so um you can see that uh you're you're you know in position and uh the crews are all supposed to stand at this line that's demarcated and you can see that there's uh you know basically a a broadcasting area nearby um where there's a fleet of spherical camera bots that are all smaller than you, Quentin. They're like just little cameras, floating cameras. They're, they're probably not sentient. Uh, that are all hovering while uh, filming uh, the starting line and surrounding area. On your newly installed computer terminals in uh, the Sandskink, there is a video feed. Um, that seems to show your coverage live. Mm. Uh, so this feed cuts to a uh, swoosh-shaped desk made of some shiny silver metal with two beings behind it, uh, evidently filling the roles of play-by-play announcers. One is a human male in a blue suit. Uh, overall, a big guy um, with kind of a square jaw and quaffed hair and just looks well put together. Uh, the other is a floating jellyfish-like creature, uh, but instead of the central bell that a jellyfish has, it has a rotating mandala of with several eyes coalescing out of the protoplasm. Hmm. Is it also is wearing a blazer? Juvenile things that eventually like form a collective. Anyone who is trained in it can make a life science check. Yeah, I'm not. Hi, not 20. <laughs> yeah, that, 20, that'll do. Whatever it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Automatic 20. Yep. Yeah, that's the one. So that is a Barathu. Um, and y- y- yeah, Sam, Sam did get that right. Uh, they do have an early stage and a late stage. Their late stage tends to be more... Um, collective oriented but they are definitely a race of shapeshifters that are capable of rewriting their own dna uh, which makes them uh very adaptable to different circumstances and yeah you guys after your your vehicle has had its uh fixes you guys can see that there are fans in the stands nearby people are cheering for you you can see crystal wiles is actually in attendance still looking at her portable comms um and not caring at all about you uh (laughs) and you can see uh the the vehicles of the other teams and you are at um a literal line in the sand that is the (laughs) starting line all right and at that the announcers begin Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 27th season of Drifters, the galaxy's infosphere show with the highest mortality rate per million viewers. I'm your host, Jock Hammer, 
And with me today is Shu Lai, my new co-host from Brathetta. You know, after I eat some legumes, my partner calls me a gas giant. Are all human attempts at humor so scatological, or is it just you? Regardless, I will be providing ongoing analysis and insight to offset your color commentary emits the Barathu. And speaking of color, we're back on the red planet of Akaton. Fans might recognize this track from the penultimate episode of season 24. But rest assured, we've made loads of modifications to ensure this race will have more surprises, deadlier hazards, and even fewer safeguards than ever before. Now let's meet the contestants. And a crew of uh, interviewers is swarming uh, Team Rust Dragon briefly. You guys have a moment to uh, react while you're not on camera except for Quentin. All right. Everyone, everyone got everyone got their intros. Everyone ready to meet the world? Yeah, game faces and uh, Hecubino will like press a button on his armor, and those sticks will emit a pair of like holographic flags. <laughs> um, one of which says uh, "Team Lizard Brain," and another one which says "This space for for rent." <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, Vangu will like nod and um, press the button on her own things that have the matching holograms. So these are holographic Sashimono. Yeah, <laughs> we, we spent our precious starting wealth on these things. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so after a moment. Uh, the crew is over to interview you. So they all approach, including the announcers, the human jackhammer walking while Shu Lai floats. And uh, they say, and this is uh, Team Lizard Brain, is that right? That's right. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Well, we hail from all over the cosmos, you see. Uh, we are a ragtag bunch of super cool guys, and we're about to uh, show drifters what it really means to uh, crush that finish line. That's just great, great, great. And you're representing? Uh, we're representing uh, Space Suds. Space Suds for when you want it clean, like right now. Also technically a food. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We love newbies, don't we, folks? Newbies have a statistically higher chance of death. Promo mode engaged. Oh, yeah, my name is Quentin, and you need to know two things about Team Lizard Brain. Number one, we come to win. Number two, we come to win. Promo mode disengaged. The host stare at you, uh, aghast. You weren't sure you could tell what aghast looked like on a Barathu until now. <laughs> now, you, now you know. We're like, right. Okay, then. Well, good luck, Team Lizard Brain. And then they move on. Thank you. Good job, everyone. I dislike both of them. Yeah, well, we're not here to make friends. Uh, we're here except to win. For, yeah. We're here to friends. Indeed. 
You think they got me sharpening my knife in the shot? If if not, you know what? Uh, while they interview the other ones, let's do some pickups, Quentin. Scanning dailies. Additional pickup shots engaged. Yeah, we'll get we'll get some shots of knife sharpening. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get uh, Bob to rub up the engine. Vroom vroom. Bob, Bob can do that thing where he like reaches up and closes the pockets on his shirt, and then looks really awesome for a second. And I adjust my goggles. Yeah, and my, and my scarf. Yeah. And I'll throw in some whip pans and a really effect every time he moves. It'll be awesome. I'll oh, and just like get a syringe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just get some creepy side shots of Amu's shell with like something crawling out of it. <laughs> nice. Some really cool shots of bits and pieces of them moving around. That would be mm. cool. Yeah, and like Vangi and Hekubino back to back in like combat glamour poses. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All right. So they have finished their uh, their introductions of the rest of the crews, and everybody is almost ready to go uh, and start revving up their engines. But first, a word from one of their sponsors. So uh, you guys have to wait as there's a commercial played. Uh, and it plays over all of your comm systems. Uh, and a Formian uh, appears in front of you. Formians being uh, these ant-like insects with uh, you know, six legs, I think, um, and a thick carapace, uh, taller than a, than a human being, um, and having a, a very strictly hierarchical caste structure uh, based off of telepathy and mind control. So anyway, it shows a, a screen behind it, and it seems to be presenting with a couple of its arms, and it says, Hello, free-thinking sentience. Do you wish to communicate more and more honestly with your peers? Are you tired of generic advertisements that clearly do not know your innermost desires? Are you adrift in an uncaring world of ennui and isolation? Are you interested in knowing every thought from your ex-partner when you were young? Then you should try Hivemind. At first, Hivemind was only for the young and cool. But now, even you could join the collective. Delicious brainwaves. What? I'm still on. Cut, cut. Hivemind lets your brain directly interact with the brains of countless others in your network. Become brain buddies with anyone you've ever met, or the people they've met, or crypto analyst drones that emulate consciousness seamlessly. Hivemind takes no responsibility for the spontaneous emergence of hostile collective intelligences. By using Hivemind, you cede all rights to private memories and perpetuity and agree to the shared intelligence brain hosting model of computation. Hivemind, everyone is there already. Do you really have a choice? And then the ad ends. But we already are a Hivemind. Then he's like, hmm, sounds like we should probably probably sign up, right? Like, like that's where the sponsors Mm -hmm. are going to be at, right? Well, let's just wait and We'll just wait and see if we get like a competitor wanting to start something up. You know, they're going to be looking for new teams on the up and up. But it says that everyone's already there. Oh, but we already are a hive mind. 
Well, let's let's have Amu try it first. Yeah, yeah, okay. You you try it out. Tell us how it is. Yeah, we'll sign him up with like a like a burner account. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can tell from the uh, backgrounds uh, that I didn't describe in that ad and the runic circuitry of the colonizer that that is the uh, Formian team's sponsor, which is uh, the uh, the giant living organism vehicle. Makes sense. Ants. <laughs> so uh, at this point, uh, you know, the tension is super high, can cut it with a knife. Uh, the atmosphere is super low. You can cut it with your hand doing one of those chopping motions. Uh, and you guys are hyperventilating for a com- combination of those two reasons as the race is about to begin. Your breathing seems to be troubled. Uh, just uh, just getting used to the old uh, lack of gravity and oxygen. Don't forget the existence of the masks. Oh, does, I'll be, hey, I'll be Kevin, fine. Does my but... does my armor have a like built-in life support system? Um, I don't believe yours does, unless. So I think that that is one of those things that armor can definitely have built into it, but I don't think yours does unless it says it does. Um, also, for reference, I have the uh, jump jets built in because my armor only takes one mod one modification at a time. Nice. So for frame of reference, uh, this planet has about a third as much cohesive atmosphere or like, I don't don't really know how that works, but a third as much atmosphere Uh, you're getting, (laughs) uh, you know, imagine you're at the top of a mountain um, Mm. in terms of breathing. And it also has a third as much gravity as Absalom station or, you know, standard slash Earth gravity. Okay. So things bounce a little bit more. You can jump further. But um, for the purposes of considering like things like thrust and complex physics, we're going to ignore that and say that somehow the atmosphere balances that out. Eh. It automatically compensates. Sure, sure. It's a thing that happens. Okay, you guys all ready? Uh, space can be an inhospitable place with a countless dangerous worlds within it. Unless otherwise specified, all armors protect you from a range of hazards to ensure that you can survive for at least a few days. Uh, if you must make emergency repairs to the hull of a starship, blah, blah, blah. So, does that apply to mine, then? Uh, yeah, if you wish, you can either wear a mask separately, or uh, you can have your armor system be, like, you know, trying to either be connected to an oxygen tank, which Rain provided in uh, the uh, back of the buggy, or you can have it try to reprocess the atmosphere and make it a little bit denser for you um, to be able to breathe. It, I'm not saying that's perfect, but you, you can do it. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I'll just I'll probably install an air tank somewhere like in the back of the armor. And then just have it, like, close the helmet. Nice. All right. Uh, You guys also had some uh, special attire thrown in the back of the buggy. Um, But I'm not going to be prescriptive about exactly what that looks like. So since uh, right before the uh, race began, you were doing glamour shots, why don't we do a round of descriptions? 
Uh, well, uh, Hecubino is a uh, human. Uh, he's bald. He's got dark skin. His eyes, uh, he's got uh, purple stars painted around his eyes with like a green outline. Um, if you get in close, uh, his makeup is really well done. Um, you know, there's like a fade on his eyelids and everything so that it just looks steady throughout. He's wearing a carbon uh, armor. So it, he's wearing this gray armor, but uh, the sponsors have provided this sort of like big kind of um, like football pads looking like green and white uh, armor thing that doesn't protect anything. It's just for show. So he's thrown that on over his armor. Uh, as well as a big pair of like goalie looking, like hockey goalie looking gloves, or I guess just hockey player looking gloves, um, which again, just just for show. I'm imagining a combination of like a goth psychic warlock and like a Hartford Whaler goalie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing like Wild Wing from the Mighty Ducks, only you know with the head of Spock. Yeah, uh, it's like Wild Wing from the Mighty Ducks with the head of Steve Urkel, basically. <laughs> uh, if, if he was bald, without the like, was it like a fade that he had? Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, pretty much. That's oh, he's got a uh, still holstered. He's got a little zap gun. Um, nice. And, so the oh, camera and, pans. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, he's got his, uh, you know, his uh, banners, his holographic banners as well. Yes. Uh, so the camera pans from Hecubino. And Hecubino, who does it pan to next? It pans to Vangi. Uh, so um, Vangi is uh, wearing um, golem-forged uh, plate mail. So it's like pretty heavy, uh, sturdy army armor that like um, you'd probably see most commonly being worn by a mercenary. Um, and so, um, it's got like a lot of like ports and sockets, uh, that are unclear exactly what they do, but one of them is definitely providing a little bit of supplemental oxygen, um, and that she's got a, um, helmet over it, but the visor is clear so that you can see her face, um, where it has the, uh, the matching stars that those are appear to be like natural ways that the, uh, the scales around her eyes look, um, as she's got a turquoise base scales the purple kind of starburst around her eyes and like a little bit more purple under her chin and like on the uh, crest above her head. Um, and um, just giant uh, lizard person towering over with like a long uh, tail behind her. Um, she's got a big uh, pike uh, over uh, her back. Um, and then also has a like, basically a flamethrower um, on the square of her back that's got a um, painted on it uh, basically a pinup boy who's an Efreet, which are like little fire elemental people. Um, and it says Efreet class burner on it. Um, and uh, then she's also got the uh, holographic Sashimoto. Nice. So your Efreet class burner uh, is also custom labeled the hotness. Nice. <laughs> I also love the, you know, the, the it's it's a classic for a reason. Call it cliche, but the war pike slash flamethrower combo. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just the giant lizard where wielding the uh, war pike and flamethrower. I mean, how can you go wrong, really? Yeah. Who Trevor does the staple? Who does the camera pan to next, Vangi? 
Uh, it then uh, goes to Amu. Hi. Uh, Amu is a Rikrichi coming out of a large mechanical seashell. Uh, seashell currently painted up to look very brainy. But Amu is a collective of various corals that will uh, come out of various openings on said seashell. When enough of them are out, they look vaguely humanoid and try to have something resembling a base human expression. Uh, usually the colors are pale blues and greens with uh, some reds and purples thrown in, depending on the uh, message trying to be conveyed. Nice. Uh, what messages? Uh, Amu trying to convey right now. Oh, it's very friendly and open. Uh, bright greens and blues in a smile, or as best of a smile as Amu can uh, provide with a um, friendly smiling coral. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, after our brief trip under the sea, uh, where does the camera pan to, Amu? Uh, over to Skritic. <laughs> So uh, Skrix there, uh, basically in uh, his uh, Defrex hide armor uh, with uh, plenty of uh, bone spurs and hard, uh, spiky uh, chitinous plates. Uh, he's also uh, managed to produce and is wearing uh, some sort of uh, creature skull with the mandibles uh, coming down as uh, like cheek guards. And uh, he's uh, sporting his uh, survival knife and uh, semi-auto pistol, kind of doing a little action menacing pose as he glares at the camera. Nice. And what is that glare trying to convey, Skritic? Um, menace? <laughs> menace. Um, menace with a question mark. Perfect. That is exactly what it conveys. Like, they, they have, um, you know... Uh, basically closed captioning but it assesses your posture <laughs> in parentheses at the bottom of the screen it says um ellipses menace question mark menace, menace. <laughs> yes <laughs> and who does the camera pad to next critic uh who's left <laughs> the robots quentin Rob- the robots we'll go with quentin, quentin the robots quentin quentin Quentin, as you may recall, is a brushed seal sphere, roughly the size, uh, somewhere between, I believe we said, a soccer ball and a medicine ball. Has a tendency to float around, and until Hacubino said game faces, had basically just sort of a glowing emoji face, a pleasant half-smile. When Quentin, or when Quentin hears the word game face, it changes to a low-res face with big grindy teeth and an eye patch and a snarling expression, sort of a cartoon face that you see. He goes and looks through the stuff in the back of the sand skink and you suddenly hear (laughs) Quentin floats up, having found a Viking helmet with wings on each side that wasn't big enough for his shell. So he cut it in half mounted one half on each side of the top of his shell so it looks like the angry, snarling, eye-patch face is now wearing a Viking helmet. And on one side of the helmet, in bright red letters, born to cogitate. Quentin has come to play. Nice. Now, is the uh, 
eye-patched, pirate-like face Quentin's wearing, is that the result of a standard image search, or is that <laughs> a privately, you know, generated, you know, uh, fake human face, or is that, you know, stolen off of someone's profile? If you if you remember back in the days when low resolution graphics were the thing, it's sort of that. I mean, he can do a much more realistic face, but this one is designed to be uh, specifically as impressionistic as possible. So it's just sort of a, a a low resolution face. It's not a particular person, uh, unless you're really really old and know who Nick Fury was. Uh, but again, that's a cultural reference that that's Quentin before the gap. Made. You can't reference anything that happened before the gap. I mean, blip, gap, blip, I, whatever. This is the thing, though. Quentin would not do that. Matthew cannot live without references, my friend. It, I, it's like <laughs> oxygen to me. So, um, no, no. Okay. Yeah. So, my question to you is: Is it a totally original work uh, created by Quentin? Yes, and it has a little uh, fake cigar sticking out of the uh, the uh, mouth. Perfect. A, uh, a little pop-up occurs uh, that's just automatic because you're connected to the infosphere. It says, would you like to copyright this image for eternity? And it costs five credits. Ding! Yes. Okay, cool. Boom! You're My unfortunately signed up for this copywriting mail list forever, but you've got it copyrighted. That's fine. It's a, it's a division of Trademark. Omnicorp. Yep. <laughs> you know Omnicorp. Uh, a sea of amusements to keep you from taking up arms. Quentin, there's yes. only one crew member left. Who's the camera pan to? The camera pans dramatically to Bob. Bob is a six foot tall android, pale complexion. Uh, he's wearing a blue uh, like jumpsuit, you know, like a workman's jumpsuit. And he's wearing a, uh, a wool driving cap that he's got on backwards and a pair of, of goggles over his eyes and a, uh, and a silk scarf around his neck. And Something on his lip, like it, it's a mustache, but it's at a weird angle. And he just <laughs> stares. And he just stares at the camera. <laughs> the camera stares back at him. Does the mustache move? It falls off onto his lap, <laughs> and he quickly turns away, and then turns back Does, a moment later with the mustache stuck back on his lip. Is he giving um, a duck face? No. He's just uh, like, is he giving, what kind of face is he giving? Just like a blank stare, like, you know, what am I supposed to do? All right. Um, and after the, the credit shots, you're all somehow back in position inside uh, the sand skink, the, the buggy. Uh, and um, everyone else has, has piled into their vehicles as well. Uh, the big rig, the tripod, the weird... Uh, living organism ant thing um, and uh, the announcers uh, say over the loudspeakers and your your portable comms so you're getting it echoed back at you drifters are you ready 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 Grab the engine yeah <laughs> yep so you guys have your petrol engine and the Big rig starts to rev its petrol engine. The uh, colonizer just all its cilia move it, like uh, completely unnecessarily, and it just like hovers in place, teeming with energy while tons of its little cilia die. And the tripod just starts picking at the rocks all around it, rapid fire, creating like a little ring 
Um, and uh, the announcer says, on your marks, get set, go! And season 27 of Drifters has begun. Nice. Brought to you by Extreme Infosphere Productions. There is no I in conglomerate. Ooh, I cannot wait to see what happens when this race starts. Uh, I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, I don't think we've done any vehicle type actions in any of our games, have we? Anyone remember in any of our past games? Uh, maybe a yes. couple skill I mean, challenges. We've definitely yeah. done skill challenges that involved, and we well, like we fought a tank once in Critical. Oh, right, 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 right. But yeah, clack, but, clack, but clack, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the rules for this. It's it's not going to be the same. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's Spent what I'm curious about is to see how months, vehicles, how vehicles move and turn, and because I'm sure there's rules for that in in Starfinder and in other games like this. So we're going to find out how that happens next week. So you're going to have to tune in. You're going to have to find out. And uh, you're going to have to ride along with us, um, shotgun, uh, and see who is going to win this race between these four these four teams. But until then, here's hoping all of your dice rolls are critical hits. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2010. Major Spoilers is copyright 2011. Major Spoilers is copyright 2012. Major Spoilers is copyright 2013. Major Spoilers is copyright 2014. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2018 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2019 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.